You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome, everyone. I am Johnny Christ, and this is the Drinks with Johnny podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking out this very special season two finale episode. That's right. We're going to take a little bit of a breather from your regularly scheduled program throughout the holidays. We'll be back in February of 2021 uh, with more of the great conversations with new guests. Um, In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening from. I'm going to bring you guys some of the earlier episodes from the live YouTube series that we did earlier on in this year. I'm going to uh, give you guys some new updates, new news, and a little bit of insight into what was going on in some of those conversations. So you're not going to want to miss that throughout the weeks that we're uh, taking a little bit of breather. Um, Also, make sure you head over to the YouTube channel. We're going to continue some new content over there too. It's just not going to be with new guests as uh, we were doing each and every week before. So make sure you're subscribed to YouTube over there. And today marks the week of Black Friday sales at drinkswithgiant.com. That's right. Got a lot of new merch over there as well as some new deals, bundles, and just in time for the holidays, a holiday sweater. That's right, with yours truly right there on the cover. (laughs) Go over to Drinks With Johnny and check that out. Sign up for the newsletter. I'm going to keep that thing going too each and every week with a new email newsletter written by yours truly. So make sure you're heading over there. Leave us some comments, some reviews right here on the podcast, as well as heading over to Drinks with Johnny on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're going to continue a lot of content on those as well to keep you guys going through the holidays. So make sure you're following us there as well. Now on this week's episode, the season finale, as I said, I have a very special guest, Joe Maganello. Such a great dude and such a great uh, honor to have him on the show. Um, He really put a bow on it for us here. Um, which I really appreciate. And congratulations to Joe and his wife, Sophia Vergara, on their fifth anniversary. They just celebrated yesterday, so congratulations to you guys both. We get into his new movie, Arch Enemy. It's coming out December 11th. Uh, make sure you uh, check out uh, wherever that is going to be, um, if it's coming to a theater near you, or if it's going to be streamed, whatever it is. I'm not really sure at this point, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's a great movie. The trailer looks amazing. Um, he has uh, put a lot into this, and I really like the premise. I think you guys are going to dig it too, so make sure you go check that out on December 11th. In the meantime, check out the trailer. You can find that on YouTube and see if you're into it. We talk about a lot of other things too, obviously. We get back into more of his acting career, the music he's into. Um, I mean, even his high school days, we go back to it all. It's been a lot of, it was a lot of fun chatting with him. So uh, I'll just cut, cut this short and talk to you at the end and bring it to you. Without further ado, I bring you Joe Maganello. What's up, everybody? I am Johnny Christ, and this is Drinks with Johnny. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I'm having an absolute fucking blast doing this. I'm feeling better every day. 
by starting off with Sweet Drop. That's right, CBD oil that you can get by going to sweetdrop.com and using promo code DRINKSWITHJOHNNY, you're gonna get 20% off. You know, there's a lot of things out there about CBD oil. I just know that this one makes me feel good, so I'm gonna start off the show as I do every show with a little bit of Sweet Drop under the tongue. So head over to sweetdrop.com, use that promo code. And uh, this week, I'm super psyched. I've got a really rad guest um, to talk about his new movie, Arch Enemy. Joe Maganello, how are you doing today? Great, man. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing fantastic, man. <laughs> a lot better now. <laughs> so let's get Those... into Yeah, yeah. I feel a lot better after that sweet drop. <laughs> so let's get into it, man. You got a new movie. You're going to play the role of Max Fist in Arch Enemy. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the trailer. It's not out just yet. That comes out, uh, uh, what is that, December 11th, I believe? December 11th, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait for this movie, man. Um, it looks ama- it looks amazing. What can you tell me about that? What can I tell you about it? Um, what can I tell you about it that won't ruin it uh, <laughs> or take you down a certain path? I think there's, you know, I think, I think uh, there's a lot of people that are going to want to try to put this into a category. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this kind of a movie. It's that kind of a movie. It's that kind of a genre film. It's that um and you have to throw all that away yeah and i think in fact we've uh you know we've been having a lot of fun messing with people because of it because um you know for example people want to say oh well it's a superhero movie right does it look like a superhero movie from the trailer you know not not really it's um you know if anything it's um you know basically i play a homeless man (laughs) who lives under a bridge. One of the lines I really loved, one of the lines I really loved from the trailer was uh, that your only superpower was being able to drink a fifth of whiskey and not pay for it. Right, yeah, which is said (laughs) by a a bartender in one of these local, you know, shitty bars that uh, I sometimes surface into. But um, yeah, I live under a bridge. I'm a horrible, horrible alcoholic, drug addict. And to anyone who will listen to me, for more than 30 seconds, I will then spin a tale uh, of how I believe that I came from a different dimension. Mm-hmm. And in that dimension, I was like the equivalent of Superman. I was this champion of the people, this superhero who was granted powers and, and defended and was the champion of this, this other world. Yeah. Uh, no, one's and- believe- no one's buying it, though. No one believes me except for this one kid who's a video blogger and he hears my story and he, you know, buys me some drinks and starts, uh, uh, following me around. Yeah. And it turns out that his sister's involved with this local drug organization. And, um, uh, my character kind of has, you know, a bit of a death wish, I guess, and, and to prove his loyalty or uh, to show his appreciation for the friendship of this kid, he uh, he goes on this mass killing spree to kill all the drug dealers <laughs> uh, for for to, to free this kid and his sister, and that's kind of like where we where we take off. Yeah, and I mean, it, you don't want to give too much away, but like we yeah. don't, we never find out from the trailer. Where I guess we're just gonna have to go watch Arch Enemy in a December eleventh. That uh, do you, if if you're actual a superhero or not, are you just a badass or are you actually this guy from another planet or different dimension? 
Like we, we or, have to watch the movie to find that out, right? Yeah, this schizophrenic homeless drug addict. <laughs> yeah, uh, or, or or is or is he telling the truth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so whether it's a superhero movie or not, um, is is kind of not not the point. You know, mm. it's really you know I was heavily influenced growing up by I was a big comic book reader growing up, and there was Marvel and there was DC. And what happened when I was growing up in the 80s, there were a lot of independents that then came to prominence. And there were, uh, like, you know, you had, but then you also had people like Frank Miller, Chris Claremont, Mm. guys that really took, you know, for the major companies, created the stories like, you know, Wolverine in Japan, uh, which was really human. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And then, of course, you have, like, you know, Batman versus Superman and you have the dark Knight, and you have all of Frank Miller's bending of the genre. And this is one of those films that's really our attempt to bend the genre and make, you know, take an indie comic book and turn it into an indie film. Yeah. I think it's, I I had not heard of Arch Enemy before. I got to be honest until we were about to have this talk and have the, uh, and the movies coming out, obviously. Um, I not familiar with the comic, so how close to the comic? There's no comic. There is no comic. No, no, no. This is original. It's, it's all original. original. So, oh, you're just trying to do what they've done in the comic world, exactly. in the movie world. I got you. Okay. Now, now we're now we're following each other. Uh, <laughs> but let me ask you about the role specifically as Max Fist. Like you, um, I know that you you're not a drinker. You're you're sober. Um, and but you, as you said, you're a drug addict drinker max fist how do you get into that role like uh where's the inspiration man you know i know what it was like so you know i guess there's a bit of uh you know, a sense memory if you will um you know i did uh i met with uh i met with a guy who's been home who's almost for 20 years mm. and uh he walked me through what a typical day was like and uh, he's actually somebody who was newly sober at the time. So wow. a lot of the stories, and th- you know, they were very fresh in his mind. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, reminiscing with him about all the difficulties he went through uh, was, was, you know, was big for me as part of the research. And then also, uh, I had a meth coach on set. I brought my own meth coach uh, who was there to, yeah, basically, not, not method, not method coaching. You mean meth, like methamphetamine, right? Correct. Short, <laughs> short for meth, <laughs> and my, my meth coach, you know, he was there on set and his job was, you know, I would, I would get done with a scene and I'd look over at him and go, you know, eh? and he'd go, mm. wow. You know, and or come over and we'd huddle up and he's like, yeah, 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 that was perfect. Keep that, da, 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 da. you know, kind of tweaking. Wow. Tweaking my, my meth using in the phone. <laughs> That's incredible. That's <laughs> rad, man. I mean, it's not rad that that guy knows that much about, about methamphetamine, but it's good that you had someone there that could teach you a little bit. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I want to, I want to, I want to keep it real for, for all my, all my meth heads out there. Yeah, I mean that's 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 what that's what we do it all for is the meth heads out there, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> it off for the meth heads. That's the new, uh, new song by Limp Bizkit. Yeah, that, that that one's coming out in in uh, twenty twenty one. I hear so. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be on the lookout for that. Now you produced this movie too with uh, Elijah Wood. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And what I mean uh, is this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this one of your first producing of a, of a movie too, or have you done a lot of that over the years? This is number 
four okay. professionally. I mean, I mean, not including all the f- movies that I produced and directed and wrote growing up. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, how I got into acting as a kid was I made my own movies. I would write my own movies and go shoot them. And, uh, but as a, as a pro, no, I, I uh, first out of the gate was a documentary called La Bear mm-hmm. uh, about a, uh, about a, at the time, a 55-year-old male stripper named Randy the Master Blaster. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he, had been, he had been stripping consecutively since 1979. Wow. Uh, at the time we caught him, he was in his mid-50s. And uh, he, was, he lived with his mom, uh, Mary Lou, who, would, uh, who, did, who ran their stripper gram company from 10 to 6 every day. Oh, so day. She, was part of, she was part of the team. Okay. She was, a, she was his dietician, his biggest cheerleader, ran the stripper gram company. And Randy was like the dude at like yeah. the, he was the top build, you know, rooster at, uh, at this club, La Bear in Dallas. And so we went, I went and shot this movie about him and then all the other characters around him and the club and the club owner, kind of the history of it, Holy history shit. of male dancing in that area. And then there was, uh, we uncovered this murder and there was like talk of police corruption in the middle of it. So, um, oh. you know, it was, yeah. So anyway, so that was, that was the first, uh, film La Bear, which I also directed. And then um, my movie Bottom of the Ninth came out a couple of years ago in the theaters. Um, that uh, it's about baseball guy gets out of prison, uh, yeah. and then uh, tries goes to prison at nineteen, gets out at like thirty eight, and then uh, winds up playing baseball in the minors, yeah. and kind of him trying to put his life back together after prison in the Bronx. Uh, so there's that, and then there's another movie that actually the third movie I produced was, was a movie called Shoplifters of the World about the day the Smiths broke up, and that's going to come out, I believe, in March. Oh, cool! So it actually comes out after Arch Enemy, but we shot it before. Oh, okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, um, as you said, you produced and directed unprofessionally when you were a kid. What was like one of the first things you filmed as a kid? I'm just curious. As, like, 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 oh, as a kid, uh, it was always you know mafia martial arts gunshots i would we would make our own squibs with uh <laughs> condoms filled with kero syrup and red food coloring what and the fuck? Get cookie, <laughs> like a cookie tin you put the cookie tin you cut a little hole stick a firecracker through yeah the whip would stick it out and then you'd have to roll the camera and then have somebody's hand come in the frame hit the light the wick and get the hand out so boom it would go and, whoa you know, so anyway so yeah, we were, and then, uh, you know, we put soundtracks and graphics and stuff. So it was always stuff like that. Or um, I would do like mock commercials for bands that I liked that were playing in Pittsburgh. I'd do like, like promo commercials, you know, oh, for rad. whatever. You Did know? you ever do a Goldfinger one? Because I know uh, our mutual friend, John Feldman, and you are, are, are very tight. Was there ever a Yeah, Goldfinger no, I, I, I didn't do Goldfinger. I, I actually, I, you know, I didn't. I learned about Goldfinger from hanging out with Feldy. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I, he actually asked me to come out on tour with him. So I, I, I toured around New Zealand, Australia, Hawaii. And, uh, when and, was this? What year, I, what year was this? Probably like maybe Oh five. Okay. Yeah, probably like oh <laughs> five somewhere in there. Did you guys, so did you guys have any, you have any fond memories or stories of that of that that you can share that uh, are aren't too taboo? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like that you're having to think about it. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I was the only single guy on tour. They were all married. So, mm. you know, so anyway, you know, uh, then, <laughs> so none of those stories, uh, I'm trying to think, um, no, it would be, so John, you know, John's an interesting cat, man. Um, and when we were on tour, John has a lot of interests in, in different directions that people might not know. And, you know, he's a really big in, into animal activism. Yes. And, uh, when we were in Melbourne, Australia, John called me up and said, Hey, do you want to go rescue some chickens? <laughs> uh, this yeah. is a, was this a story that you gave on my episode with him? Is that the, 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 the yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, um, so basically for people that don't know, um, yeah. there was a KFC facility like two hours outside of, uh, Melbourne, Australia. And so at two in the morning, this van came and picked me up outside of my hotel and we drove two hours out into the middle of, no of nowhere. Wow. And, uh, put on these hazmat suits, broke into this KFC facility and started, uh, with pillowcases and started getting all the blind and deformed chickens that couldn't reach the chicken feed, mm. trying to get them out. Because what happens is they just die, and then the other chickens eat them, and then that goes into your chaos. I mean, it was kind of crazy. And That's then, disgusting. So anyway, so I, there's some photo of me somewhere of us in these hazmat suits, like holding these chickens at four in the morning in yeah. the middle of this, you know, KFC facility. So that was uh, probably the middle of nowhere in Australia is kind of everywhere too. There's, like the cities are just kind of like spread out, and then it's middle of nowhere yeah. everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was crazy. So that's that's Feldy in a nutshell. And how'd you guys get to be friends? You said you you, you met John and you were you were friends with him before even knowing Goldfinger or anything like that. How did you guys? Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are musicians, and so one of my musician friends knew John. And was going over to his house to hang out and, um, you know, pick me up and was like, hey, you want to come hang out with my friend John? Yeah, all right. And so I met John and then we became like fast friends, which is funny because John in high school hates jock. He hated jocks. Like they hated jocks. Yeah. And although I'm an artist for a living, I'm still a jock to John. So <laughs> there, there, <laughs> there was a bit of adjusting that had to happen yeah. uh, at the beginning. But, uh, but yeah. Did you play ball in, in, in school and stuff? Did, were, you, uh, were you a jock? I mean, now, yes. now, you, now you're an artist, so it doesn't matter. But uh, as you said. No, but. yeah. I'm an artiste. <laughs> uh, no, but, but I, I grew up. Yeah, I was the captain of the football team, the basketball team, and the volleyball team. Damn. That's impressive. Um, I mean, you know, 6'5". 220 in high school, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, so five, six, um, and I could have, all, of, I all of me wasn't, wasn't doing any of that. <laughs> oh, man, this dude's in the NFL that you're side. <laughs> yeah, they're faster and stronger too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I played, you know, you know, position I played in football, offensive line. No kidding. Yeah, I did. And I, and I did, I, I won rookie of the year in my peewee team. <laughs> Dude. But uh, yeah, the rest of the rest. Uh, once all the other kids caught up to my size, because I I, yeah. I I just I just peaked a lot earlier than everyone else. So once they got up to my size, I was out of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was six five. I stopped. I stopped growing this way at sixteen. So wow, I was six five at sixteen. Damn. 
Yeah, well, I, I guess I guess that would that would work for everything. And being being in football and everything, you you uh, and you already said earlier you were doing mafia movies by yourself and stuff. Um, is that is that where you credit your first uh, stunt roles when you were blowing shit up for your mafia movies? Stunt roles? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, doing all those we because my friend was a multiple black belt in martial arts growing up, so he would choreograph all the fight scenes. So we would do all the yeah, I mean, you know, you had to do your own stunts, man. You had to do your own driving work. You had to, it was guerrilla shooting. You had to do everything. Yeah. And are you, are you doing a lot of your own stunts on this uh, new movie as Max Vist? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I did most of them. I'm trying to think of stuff that I didn't do, but um, was yeah, that? pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing is like growing up an athlete, you know, there's, there's skill to being a stunt man. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, there's skill, there's practice. Um, but at the end of the day, if you have a modicum of, of, of athletic ability, then, or you can learn choreography quickly or have a stunt man explain to you and practice with you what's going to happen, whether that's a stunt or especially in like a fight or a knife fight or, you know, anything involving weapons or things like that. Like, um, those are all skills you can develop over the years. And if you're athletic naturally, like chances are it helps out quite a bit. Yeah. Oh my God. It helps the film so much. So I wind up doing most of my, most of all of my stunts. I mean, general, I'm generally speaking, unless I'm going to die, and even then, there's like, would you do it anyway? And then, you know, I, I, of course, <laughs> you still, could still consider those ones. <laughs> yeah, I've done stuff that I've, I mean, I've, I've had to fight off the thought of what are, you, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Why did you choose to do this with your life? Like, there's, there's you know, like, this could go really, really, really wrong. Like, That's you're fucking crazy. awesome. Yeah, that's happened a lot. <laughs> I definitely got to hang with you in person then, because I, I got to see I got to see some of the side of the side of that shit of you doing some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, hey man, so uh, listen, um, we're gonna you're gonna be in the back of this truck on the flatbed, mm-hmm. uh, which is this old model where the rim around the flatbed is only that high, not you know that no, high, yeah, it's yeah. high around. So it's not really going to keep you in there, but you're going to be driving over this bumpy cow pasture, firing a machine gun out of the back. And then, the, and then they're going to fire the rocket. The truck's going to bank left hard. <laughs> and here's where the question comes in. Do you want us to strap you into the back of the truck or not? Because here's the thing. If you're not strapped in and that thing banks a hard left, you could pop right, right out of the truck yeah. or it hits a bump and you're going to fly right out. But if we strap you in and the truck banks a hard left, hits a bump and, and flips, which it could very well do, uh, you're going to be tied in and you're going to get crushed under the truck. So what do you want? Pick, pick door, pick, <laughs> Either fly out or get crushed by it. That's you your fucking options. <laughs> exactly. So that's like one of those situations that happens where you're like, all right, let's not strap you in. <laughs> so which did, did you end up doing? Did you get strapped in or not? No, no straps, man. Yeah, no. I just put my feet up right against that little, you know, little rim. I'm firing out and just. That's fucking awesome. I'm oh, sorry. I had this. I had Portos. My wife got Portos. So, you ever have Portos? No. What the fuck is Portos? It's like this Portuguese pastry shop over in Burbank. Mm. North North Hollywood. So good, man. Anyway, it's a pastry. Yeah, she got a box of them. 
So That's fucking like, rad. I'm staring. I'm talking to you, but I'm like staring at this pastry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, get in there, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you need you need a couple more minutes on that? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so, a, a couple other things I want to talk about. We we already talked about your uh, your football career. Um, and speaking of that, you got you're a big Steelers fan. Yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. All right, all right. My uh, my my uh, best friend is a uh, is a Steelers fan. Uh, Brian Sinister Gates is uh, actually a huge Steelers fan. I'm a huge Raiders fan. So we have those arguments. But I will say it's my second favorite AFC team. How about that? Okay, fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I don't really have beef with the Raiders. Yeah. Um, uh, especially we're on the, we're all on the same team after the the AB situation. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That was gnarly. I remember getting so excited for for him to come, and then I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. I just that, we, that did. Part, yeah, we did. Apparently, you did. <laughs> we knew. We're like, let's get uh, let's get out of here with that third round. That third and that fifth round draft pick. Let's uh, let's just get out of here. I mean, as a Raiders fan, I'm just kind of glad that it imploded so fast that we didn't actually have to pay him all that money that we were getting ready to pay him. And that was insane. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're lucky, man. I mean, uh, yeah, there's there's been a there's like a kind of a, a trail of dead that's that's followed that whole situation. It's, yeah. it's sad. It's, it's really, really sad. sad. It is really sad. And that's the thing is, it's like it's so sad. And I wish nothing but the best for the guy as as a human being. But like. Damn, that was gnarly to watch, like that whole situation, you know. And now he's playing with Brady again. We'll see if he can bounce back. But uh, last week yeah. didn't look too hot. <laughs> they, look, they did not look too good last week. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Another thing, though, uh, in relation to Pittsburgh, you're part of uh, the Children's Hospital uh, board member. Are you a board member still for that? Yeah. Yep. That's yeah, cool. That, that, that's cool. You're, so you're able to give back. What, I mean, what does that mean? What does that uh, title actually mean? Or like what kind of involvement do you have with the children's hospital yeah my involvement with the board of trustees uh for pittsburgh children's hospital has to do with um, getting the word out for whatever new programs are coming up because pittsburgh uh and, and the children's hospital is highly developmental in terms of new technologies and um uh you know for example a couple years ago there was a thing called the telemedicine program that they created in which for the cost of uh, a, a camera cart, which is basically like a rolling cart with cameras on it that you roll into a patient's room, um, Pittsburgh Children's Hospital could monitor hotels or hospitals all around the world. Okay. And what was happening in these in these hospitals around the world, these children's hospitals, was they were having successful surgeries, but then they were losing great percentages of the children in in post-op care. Like they couldn't predict certain markers or certain things that were going to happen that Pittsburgh Children's knew or, or could yeah. spot. And so they were, they started giving these carts to different hospitals so that Pittsburgh Children's could monitor their patients. And they lowered uh, child mortality rates post-op by, uh, in some cases, 60%. Wow, that's incredible. So, you know, it's about getting the word out, mm -hmm. but then also fundraising in, um, you know, because each one of those carts costs Costed like about eighty thousand dollars, so it was about raising money and people that were going to help buy these carts to go into these hospitals in other countries and other cities. So that's kind of my my job is raising money and, and getting the word out. Yeah, and wow. then also I go back and visit the kids. And like a few years ago, I 
Uh, I did, uh, I played Hefty Smurf in the Smurfs movie. Mm. So we, I brought the Smurfs movie back to Pittsburgh Children's and they actually sent Hefty Smurf to the hospital to, to play with the kids. So, that's super cool. I love, yeah, I love cool. hearing stories like that. That's, that's super cool. And they, yeah. I'm sure they were all stoked. And you got blue hair right now. Let's talk about your hair. You I know, man. Mohawk, man. Smurfy hair. <laughs> <laughs> Is that for a new role that you're that you're filming, or what's going on? You just felt like you wanted a mohawk in, un, under quarantine, or? Well, uh, I had a white mohawk for a role, and uh, upcoming, I have another role in which I'm going to shave my head bald and have the big goatee and okay. some tattoos and things like that. So. In between Mohawk and bald, I can do whatever I want. I've got about a month where I can just (laughs) do whatever I want with my hair before I shave it completely off. So I just thought, all right, man, I like that blue. It looks good, man. Keep it it as long as you can. It looks good. I I, I haven't put up my my Mohawk in a long time. Uh, I haven't had any real reason to. (laughs) Well, yours was a lot longer. Yeah, I had the the big-ass one for a while yeah you know but yeah. you know it doesn't it doesn't bode well to be a middle-aged man with a mohawk walking around the, the normal world uh, <laughs> i mean hey man I'm, I'm making it happen baby yeah yeah <laughs> it's fantastic so we, we uh we talked about a little bit of musicians that you're friends with and stuff what kind of music do you listen to like uh on recreationally well i mean growing up i was into everything and i mm-hmm. still say that i have tastes wide ranging tastes. Um, with that said, I, my first concert was the second leg of vulgar display of power, Pantera, Sepultura, oh, Biohazard. Fuck yes. That's rad. Yeah. That was <laughs> Biohazard and Sepultura too. Like that's, that's a great lineup. Yeah. Sepultura, Chaos AD. And then when Biohazard put out, um, yeah, that song Punishment. Mm-hmm. So they were right off of that, and um, and uh, and then you know Pantera was just their whole set was was Cowboys and Vulgar Display. Great record. So just like every song's like you know you're just losing your mind. And um, so that was the first concert I saw Pantera every single time they came through Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a great town for metal, mm-hmm. so a lot of the big metal acts always always come through. So I saw Pantera. Pantera then later on would tour with like. White Zombie, who I saw every show of. Uh, I was big into industrial. Um, you know, uh, what else? Um, Metallica. Yeah. Um, I walked down the aisle and got married to um, uh, violin and cello players playing Nothing Else Matters. Whoa, that's pretty fucking cool. So I kind of hit a Metallica song in my way. Everyone was like, oh, this song's so beautiful. Well, you know, I remember my mom walking my mom down the aisle. Sounds so beautiful. What is it? It's Metallica. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the people so in the rad. crowd were turning back. You know, as you walk down the aisle, they turn back and they look at you, and dudes were like, "Dudes, yeah, yeah throwing yeah, up the they, sign." <laughs> they, they knew what it was, you know. So, um, did your wife know what it was? What's that? Did your wife know what it was? She knew ahead of time because okay. we, you know, we, you know, you plan all that stuff together, and I was like, "Hey." Uh, she actually got jealous because she's like, "That's amazing because it's it really it's a it's beautiful, you know that these cello and violin players that, that we hired, you know they played it beautifully, um, but it says so much about me 
in this sneaky way. Yeah. And so she was like jealous that I had found this thing that I could translate into into kind of that version of that fit perfectly. And also the words of the song are really that's a really romantic song. That was really you know, is. that was the first time that Metallica ever, you know, played a ballad. Um well, yeah, something. I mean, the the story from that, I believe, um, and someone could correct me if I'm wrong later, but uh, that was a song that wasn't even supposed to be on the record. Like, Lars heard James playing it and was like, dude, we got to make that into a song. Like, it wasn't even yeah. it wasn't even something that James was writing for Metallica. He was just something that he was writing for himself. Never thought well, to that point. Out. It's like, you know, kill them all, puppets, lightning, yeah. you know, justice, like. I mean, the softest thing before that, I guess, would be arguably one. <laughs> yeah, maybe the beginning, or or like fade to black. Yeah, or, fade to black. Yeah. You know, but but other than that, like there's there's nothing you yeah. know soft and feely about. And like you said, one's probably the most you know introspective of all of those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so I was in all of them. Um, Dan, you know, Danzig. You know, so we're talking like mid '90s. So we're talking like how the gods kill. Um, you know, I, I was you know Nine Inch Nails for like around that time for a couple of albums, and and then it was like, like you know the old Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, like some of the heavier stuff that was coming down out of mm -hmm. Seattle. Um, but I was into God, and then um, you know Ministry. Ministry, connect the goddamn dots. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, ministry, but then also like, you know, so so it was like thrash, thrash, metal, uh, and then that kind of, and then industrial, which kind of led into like, like Lords of Acid and like kind of like really weird, trippy, strange like stuff that like kind of went a little further than what White Zombie was doing on an industrial level. Mm -hmm. So... I was in, um, pretty, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's still to this day. I mean, what do I listen to when I'm working out? Like, yeah, all that, you know. <laughs> you know? That's what that, that's what's getting you. That's what's getting you going in the in the gym. Pretty much, man. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Much. I like that. Like everyone has their their gym their gym songs that they that they get into. I I, I respect that. <laughs> yeah, totally. But like like um, you know, like before COVID hit, I was like I was on this great run. You know, I got to see Tool play on, on you know uh had great seats to the to their show you were there at the Nottingham. staple center yep exactly yeah, well, i was and there then, um, i was there as well i was at I one were, of the nights yeah one of the nights i went yeah we were there together <laughs> yeah that was a hell of a, i mean i mean Amazing. they put on such a show yeah i i actually had the pleasure of before their new album and everything they were they played with Primus in San Diego in a much smaller venue, and I was able to catch them there too. I've seen Tool several times, and I only only saw Primus the one time though. But like, yeah, was, they put on such a great show. Yeah, same with me. And then like, I was just looking at my desk, and I'm like, oh, here's a Slayer ticket to Slayer's last show. Whoa, that's pretty <laughs> cool, dude. You got to hang on to that for sure. I know. I, I found it in a pocket, like of a jacket that I guess I haven't worn and you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Since that show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So, well, the, so we, we have, we have a lot of uh, similar interest in music. Another thing that I think that we have a similar interest in is uh, professional wrestling. I saw you get into the ring with Arnold Schwarzenegger as he uh, butchered your last name, by the way. And that was uh, Hogan. Uh, Hogan. Hogan butchered my name. Was it Hogan who butchered it? <laughs> yeah. Arnold and I were like, best friends at, you know at 
that time. Arnold, Arnold wrote the, so Arnold and I did a movie together and, um, and then became like best friends and he would call me up and we'd go off on adventures together. And, uh, he That's wrote the wild. forward for my, he wrote the forward to my book. Um, and then, you know, on our press tour for the movie Sabotage that we did together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got, we were tapped to host Monday nights raw at the Barclays center in Brooklyn. And, uh, it was with, uh, Hulk Hogan also. The yeah. Triumph of Hogan. And then he beat the shit out of the Miz. He, he, the Miz, yeah, yeah he tried to hit you. Beat with the Miz. So anytime I go to a match, Miz and I would keep, keep, uh, you know, perpetuating our beef. <laughs> the Miz is a I great guy. Beef. I've met him at a couple of award shows, uh, that, we, that we've done and he's, he's a really fun guy. He's great, man. And then, and then Cena, and then I got to know Cena, you know, a little bit. And then actually I had like beef with Kevin Owen for a little right. while. Like I would do things to distract him so people could come up and beat him up in the live show. <laughs> <laughs> were you, were you a fan of wrestling before, before all of this? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, as a kid growing up in the eighties, who wasn't, it was totally like, right. you know, the Hulkster brother. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you had the Hulkster and then you had, you I know, heard you got a really good, uh, 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 macho man. Uh, oh yeah. Macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I love <laughs> macho was like my favorite. Yeah. And then I got to meet macho. He was in Spider-Man. Yeah, you guys were in that movie together. Uh, yeah, I do recall that. You were the you were the bully jock in that one, uh, Flash. Well, depending on how you look at it, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, one side of it is I'm I am a I am a local sports hero at the high school who yeah. has a girlfriend, and here comes this uh, nerdy guy who starts hitting on my girlfriend. And what do you expect to happen? <laughs> don't don't steal my girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. He probably shouldn't. He shouldn't have uh, messed with you, right? I and mean, then, he, but then, he, it, but then eventually like, he gets. He gets. Uh, you you didn't meet Macho Man. Let me correct you. you oh, what's that dog? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of dog is that? That's awesome. It's like a Chihuahua mix who uh, just loves me and sits <laughs> on my lap. Probably you know sits on top of me probably twenty out of twenty four hours of the day. That's awesome. A nice little lap dog. Everyone needs a nice little lap dog. <laughs> <laughs> but it was Bonesaw that you that you actually met. It wasn't Macho Man. <laughs> well, um, I did talk to Macho. I did get to talk to yeah, Randy yes. in between takes. So um, yeah, because I, I knew a lot about him. He was my favorite wrestler. And uh, but he thought so. My name was Flash Thompson in the yeah. movie, and, and he thought I said Slash. <laughs> so whatever I say, he goes, "Oh yeah, Slash knows what's up." Yeah, and then. <laughs> And uh, he had uh, he had a, a very pretty blonde woman with him. Was that gorgeous, who, George? Uh, <laughs> no, unfortunately, <laughs> it was the, it was uh, the adorable Adrian Adonis. No, okay. it was <laughs> it was this pretty blonde woman who had a bottle of lube, and she would just hit the lube and just keep Randy lubed nice. up. Wow. Yeah. So I'm talking to Randy, and she's just. Working. And that's, yeah, and that, that that's a job apparently that that she has. But it's but it's like one of those weird things where you know if there's somebody else next to you or somebody's giving you a massage right now, I would be addressing both of you or talking to both of you because you're both like you know in the yeah. same room. She didn't look up once. She didn't acknowledge. It was like somehow she just had it. Like your job is to lube. You do not talk. Don't look up. Don't pay attention. Lube. Just lube. 
That's so I'm talking incredible. to Randy and trying to include her, and she's just she's working it. Well, uh, let me ask you then: uh, Did you consider hiring her when you went to the set of Magic Mike? <laughs> yeah, I could have <laughs> used a, a, a good luber on Magic Mike. That would have been uh, that that yeah that that, that probably would have <laughs> would have made a lot of sense actually. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, did you know Kevin Nash before that though? Like, uh, obviously you've been like through wrestling and stuff and he's a, your, your, uh, uh, co, uh, actor on the, on the set of, of yeah, no, I, I met Kevin there. That was how I okay. met Kevin, but you know, we knew a lot of the same people. So Kevin's a fascinating human being. He's got, he's got a really crazy life story and mm -hmm. that's kind of led him to where he is and just a fascinating, um, uh, really intelligent guy. I mean, you could say something that sparks a memory in him and all of a sudden he's off talking about, you know, cubism uh, for the next 20 minutes. You just get a 20 minute monologue about, uh, you know, some period of art that's <laughs> you know, history. That's wild. Yeah. I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, but yeah, that's, that's wild. Like, uh, yeah. And that wasn't his first role though. I mean, he was on, uh, he played super shredder in uh, uh, Ninja Turtles too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He probably He's, hung yeah. out with Vanilla Ice like in the heyday, you know? <laughs> I got to ask him about that. Yeah, maybe you do, man. And then come back on the show and tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I love wrestlers. I love hearing all the stories. It's such a, it's such a wild lifestyle. Yeah. All those guys. Totally. Yeah, I'm good friends with Chris Jericho. Um, become really good friends with him over the last 10 years. And that guy's a wild fucking man too. Like I just did he was he that did he host that show Night Fight where people fight with the weapons and the armor? I don't remember that. I want to say, man. I don't know. It's possible he's from. hosted everything. I swear he's got like two. Yeah. He's got like fucking three different clones of himself. He does. There everything. was a show where they would they would each round was a different period of weaponry, and like guys would get in there and they would blunt the weapons, but you would fight. And so you might have like a blunted battle axe and you hit somebody in the helmet and it dents and they get knocked out or people throwing up. I mean, it was, it I was don't how did, I'm, I'm going to have to Google this because I, I, I don't remember the show at all. And I'm like, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, it's, fa it's, it's awesome. Yeah, check I'm going to check that out. Uh, another thing, though, um, <clears throat> I got to ask about that. You've, you know, speaking of wrestling, uh, you've played uh, Dungeons and Dragons with the big show. You got a, you know another couple of constant guys as uh, Tom Morello and Vince Vaughn. Um, what's up with the? You know, I had a guest on before Brian Posehn, comedian. Um, I played with Brian. You've played with Brian. Yeah. He described it so perfectly that it's like really uh, what is it? Uh, fantasy football for nerds, like or fantasy football rather is the is uh, is for is D and D for jocks. So it's like, and it, it, I loved how he said that. And then he was explaining to me Dungeons and Dragons because I know nothing about it. The, only, the most of my knowledge is from the show community where there's like a right. master guy and everything. Like, have you, how did you manage to be in a, a Dungeons and Dragons and a football guy at the same time? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Or did, or did you pick it up after, uh, after you started your acting career? Or was it, you know? In high school, you're still playing Dungeons and Dragons, and then uh, captain the football team. Yeah, I was I was both always, which yeah was confusing, but <laughs> I just went with it. Uh, no, it, it's it's I mean it's it's very intellectual D and D. I mean it can be very intellectual because um, there's you know numbers and probabilities and you know all that 
kind of stuff. But there's also a character creation side of it that I took to at a young age. I always Go figure, I was obsessed right? with. <laughs> right. Well, you know, at the time, I, I didn't act until you know high school, so midway through high school, I just I had no interest in it whatsoever. That wasn't something I was wasn't I wanted to do. Yet. I thought about doing. But I love stories. I love telling stories. I love creating stories. Um, whether that was with my G.I. Joe figures or, you know, drawing, drawing stories and characters and creating backstories and then explaining them to anybody who would sit there and look at my drawings as a kid. And this is him. And this is what he does. And this is where he comes from. And then, and then you know, not everything was a story. And so I think, um, finding, you know, tabletop role-playing as a kid, it was like, oh, you mean this is just one big giant collaborative story? And before I really knew anything about entertainment, as a kid, what I was discovering was I could be the showrunner of a TV show, you know, like Game of Thrones. I could kind of decide what's going to happen in the next chapter and what's going to happen after that and what I think is going to happen at the end of the season, what I think is going to happen after the end of next season. And I could plan all these things out and these characters are going to enter in and then they're going to go out. And then what's so fun about tabletop gaming is it's, um, you know, all modern video games came out of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So I saw that, um, on, uh, there's like a, a Netflix special on, on video games that shaped us or whatever. And they go they, yeah. they they go into the original RPG games and all of those guys that were developing that were Dungeons and Dragons players. Yeah, exactly. So all the games you play now, it's basically the computer or the console, you know, rolls the dice for you mm. whether you hit or not, or you know. And back in the day, we used to roll dice. And so the beauty of D and D is that it's collaborative. You get together with your friends like you would for a poker game. And then you make the story. You play your character. They play their character. Big Show's his character. Vince Vaughn's his character. Tom Morello's his character. And they all take on these personas and then enter into, you know, Game of Thrones or this other fantasy world or Lord of the Rings or Middle Earth or, you know, wherever you are. And then you get to actively participate in that story. But you're going to try to do something super heroic that would be amazing. And it's all going to come down to this dice roll. (laughs) Everyone's That's over around the table going, yeah. God, is it going to work? And you know, and it's either yes or a no. And the table erupts in the cheers. Are people like, no, no, oh, man? You, you know, okay. So the way you're the way you're the, describing it means that I'm definitely going to have to play at some point. In my it's life. so much fun. It's it's all the excitement of a craps table with all the shit talking and fun of your weekly poker game, mm-hmm. but but uh, and and like all of the long form narrative and storytelling and character development of game of Thrones. And that's all put together. That's incredible. I, I mean, it's fun. after yeah. you describing it, Brian kind of downplayed it a little bit when I asked him about it, he's like, Oh, you should try it. It doesn't, it doesn't take uh, any intellectual effort. And I was like, are you saying that I'm dumb? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I don't want to get in the middle of that. <laughs> Um, so there's a hero quest relaunch with Hasbro mm-hmm. coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, you have your own quest book. Yeah. So, you know, like I was saying before, like I, I do some game design and some writing and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, moonlighting, like, you know, cause growing up, growing up, that's all I did. Like, it's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to play sports, get done with my homework. And then I wanted to create these stories. And so as an adult, I've had the opportunity to do things like that with, with Dungeons and Dragons with, and now with Hero Quest, which is a completely, you know, which was a board game. It was basically like, it was like D&D in a box. Yeah. Where you, 
you know, um, in D and D somebody has to prepare. There's a lot of preparation that has to go into your adventure. Uh, with hero quest, you don't need to prep anything. You just open the lid of the box and it's all in there. So yeah, that might be what I have to try first. (laughs) It's a great gateway drug. Yeah. And, uh, and it's also less daunting. So it's more accessible to kids also, you know, and kids really like, you know, love hero quest. And so, um, yeah, I, I knew they were, they were getting ready to relaunch and I knew the game inside and out grew up with it. And, uh, and I said, uh, how about I design a quest book? They wanted me to do something with them. And then I mm-hmm. suggested, why don't I just write a whole quest book for you and, um, with new characters and new adventures. And, and, uh, they said, sure. And it was, I'm telling you, like, I'm not shitting you. It was maybe the hardest, most intensive thing I've done <laughs> with my brain in since college probably 20 years. Wow. I mean, it was like, yeah. it was two weeks straight of every waking moment, me in front of the computer screen, just, you know, with this PowerPoint program, programming the dungeons and writing all of the Shit. descriptions and the magical items. And I mean, it was like, it took, it took me like two weeks. It was crazy. Super intensive. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> were you, were you happy with the end product though? Yeah, I think so. And they're really soaked. Like yeah. They're really, they're play testing it right now. And, and the feedback is, uh, yeah, they're very, very excited about so it. So I'm going to have to check out your book first, right? That's, that's what I have to do. You don't want to play my, my book is really difficult. My book is like a really advanced, <laughs> like hardcore, like yeah. you might die all, all over the place kind of adventure book. So you probably want to play some of the other ones first. Okay. I'll play some of the other ones first and then come back. Um, yeah. <laughs> last couple of things I got to get into. Um, I, I grew up as a huge peewee fan. Um, PB Herman, uh, PB's, mm-hmm. and you were on the big holiday that came out. Mm-hmm. Was that like five years ago or something like that now? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was it like? How did you get approached for that role? And, and what was it like being with Peewee? Cause like I said, I mean, we, you grew up through the eighties too. You had to grow up with some Peewee. For sure. Um, I, I was a huge Peewee fan and I was on, uh, True Blood that mm-hmm. was on HBO and, HBO would always throw the best Emmy and Golden Globe parties, like always. So you always want to go to the HBO party. I'm going to write that down in case I ever get invited. That's the one I'm going to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and Paul Rubens had just done the Pee Wee revival on Broadway and did a special. And he was nominated for an Emmy for for his special on HBO. So he was at the party. And I saw him across the room and I just went up to him and said, hi, I'm Joe. I'm a huge fan of yours. He goes, oh yeah, you're like that werewolf on that vampire show, huh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good impression, impression right there. <laughs> like, he's like, you think, um, you think they put me on that show? And I was like, I don't know. I could call and ask. And he was like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, he's so funny. You know, like first thing I do. So I'm like, um, and then at the time, Tim Burton, Tim Burton had an art exhibit up at the L.A art museum, LACMA, and, uh, and I said to Paul, I said, have you seen that Tim Burton art exhibit? And he mm. said, no, I haven't. Everybody tells me I should go see it. And I was like, do you want to, I don't want to go see it together? And he was like, all right, here's my card. Call me. And I was like, all right. So I called Paul and we went to the, the LACMA Tim Burton art exhibit together. And Paul, like, you know, Paul gave Tim Burton his start like his first feature was Pee Wee's Big Adventure yeah it was an incredible and, movie and Paul like Paul like fought 
the studio to 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 get Tim Burton hired. Oh, I didn't realize that. So, and and so he had all these stories about all the movies and Tim and Jack Nicholson and I mean it just went it was so she was always like telling me pull pull the headset off you have a little virtual tour and I'm like yeah then he would tell me some crazy story about Hollywood and then afterwards he's like what are you doing I'm like I don't know I'm gonna get something to eat he's like do you want to come over and hang out at my house (laughs) this is in my brain I'm like in my brain I'm just picturing like fun house are you looking for the fun house yeah Yeah. (laughs) TV playoffs, Sherry and Zombie, and I'm like, Zombie, and I'm like, yeah. yeah Maybe the mailman yeah, stops by and says the word of the day. Cowboy <laughs> Curtis, yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, all right. So I went up to went up to Paul's house and, and hung out. We just like became friends, man. And um, you know, Paul was at my wedding, and Paul's been over for Thanksgiving, and you know, Paul's like part wow. of the family. So um, along the way, Paul called me and he said, um, "I've been planning Pee Wee's." comeback movie for like 25 years yeah and he said uh it's not ready yet but just know that one of these days i'm going to call you and i'm going to ask you to 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 play a part in it and i said (laughs) great i said i'm ready (laughs) okay okay great so about a year later he called me and said hey it's set up at netflix jet apatow's producing and i want you to play peewee's best friend in the movie. So rad. <laughs> so rad. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, uh, I'm in. He's like, no, no, no. Why don't you, I want you to read it first. You got to read it first. I'm like, all right, but I'm going to do it anyway. So yeah. Whatever. And were you pleasantly surprised when you read that, uh, read your Oh role? my God. I was, I was in a hotel room in Miami, I think on a press store. And I was with Sophia at the time we were, we had just started dating or something, mm-hmm. I think. And, uh, or we just got engaged or something. And I was laughing like so hard, like out loud screaming. And, 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 and she kept walking in the room going, Oh my God, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm reading this PB Herman script. It's so funny. It's insane. So uh, I loved it. You know, I mean, it's scary, obviously rebooting. There's so many reboots that have gone wrong. Yeah. Should so many that shouldn't have happened so many years Ruined later. The IP yeah. And you know, you just kind of, you get bummed. And, yeah. um, and this was one of those where it was like, man, this is this is scary because all I want is is to do right by Pee Wee and have make a great Pee Wee movie. But man, it is it's really hard to pull off a reboot. Yeah. And I was so happy with how it came out. I, I couldn't believe it. It was like oh, I would agree. The way that it came out was super good. It was still, you know, it's it kept it kept the story going, I guess, in a way, but it was like it was so tongue in cheek, like uh, like a lot of sarcasm, and like and of course, like young kids aren't going to be watching Pee Wee's Big Holiday, you know. It's it's all us older kids that want to rewatch it. So there's a lot of that humor in there, which is fucking great. Yeah, no, I thought it did such a great job, um, you know, and 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 uh, I was so happy because, like I said, I was you get so nervous because, like, all you want is is yeah. for this to go right, you know, and 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 uh, and I was so happy. <laughs> and it, it went really good. I remember watching that. And I was like, "This is fucking awesome." Um, but surreal, yeah, very surreal. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I love, I love the sharing of the stories with uh, meeting Paul as well. Um, that's that's super fun. Um, let's get back to the movie though. That's coming out December 11th. Arch Enemy. Uh, you, uh, as we talked about, your producer on it, and then you guys did this kind of startup thing with uh, Legion M. You want to tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Like, uh, 
Uh, I know that they did that with the Jay and Silent Bob's reboot and a few Nick, which I was also in. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, is that where you got to know from Legion M, or you know, because so, it's, it's kind of this new way of getting fans to get the movies they want, right? Yeah, Legion M is a really interesting company. For people that don't know, it's a fan-owned movie studio, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you join Legion M and your dues go into you actually being part of the team that produces a film. So, for example, they do all these like fun giveaways. Like when we were shooting Arch Enemy, they would um, do raffles for set visits. So while we're shooting, there would actually be Legion M members who are just, you know, civilians who are part of the Legion M army who have given, you know, to the company and they're now part of the company. Now you're technically part of your, your producer on the film, you know, the whole, you know, at large, you know, everybody is, so it's kind of like buying stocks, but the stocks get you into producing these films with Legion M that are really fun ones. Like you said, it's, you know, Kevin Smith movies and, you know, this, this new movie, Arch Enemy. So I met Legion M because because I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. So <laughs> you owe a lot to Dungeons and Dragons here, man. You have no idea. You have no idea how many movies I've shot or TV shows or animated shows or whatever has happened because of my relationships out of D&D. It's, it's like a mafioso kind of secret society thing. It's really crazy. Oh, so um, what do I have to do to get in? You got you to make a character, bro. You got to get in. Get in. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll make a character. <laughs> so I met, uh, but I met Legion M. I was playing Dungeons and Dragons on the, every year on the birthday of the guy who invented Dungeons and Dragons. His son does, his son plays, you know, mm-hmm. like, or does like an event. And so I got invited to this event to play with the son of this guy, Luke Gygax, whose uh, his father was Gary Gygax, who created D&D. And sitting next to me was this guy, David Baxter, playing D&D with me on camera. And uh, he knew about my streetwear line, Death Saves. Mm-hmm. And he had, he was, Legion M had helped produce a film called Mandy, which was like, my favorite movie of the past 20 years. Okay. I'm not familiar. And, uh, I'll have to check it out. You know, I, I was interested in maybe doing some merch for Mandy through death saves. Mm-hmm. And I became, I saw the movie, you know, he sent me an early link to the film. I saw it. Mandy's the greatest. Like tonight, like go turn off the lights, turn the sound up and watch Mandy. Okay. It's it'll, you'll love it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm into you'll, it. I like the recommendation. And, um, and so I saw Mandy became obsessed with Mandy and then like became friends with the director of Mandy and then became friends with like all the producers of Mandy. And that's how like I got to know Elijah's company, SpectraVision. Okay. And he has a company um, with this writer named Daniel Noah, a woman named Lisa Whalen. And Lisa, like a year later, sent me a script for Arch Enemy. And so it's, see it, what that's I crazy. And it all goes back to D&D. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So Legion <laughs> M, then I became friends with this guy from Legion M, David Baxter, and uh, at the Jay and Silent Bob premiere, mm-hmm. he had heard, he said, Are, you're the one doing Arch Enemy? I said, yeah. He said, I read that script a long time ago, and I flipped out over it, and like, oh my God, you're perfect for it. Holy, this is incredible. Oh my God, you're going to play that character. Wow. You know, Legion, well, Legion M, like, I'm going to go talk to them, but like, we're going to want to come in and, and give money and, and help produce. And I said, great. So that's, yeah. that's how that all happened. Like I, I wound up being cast 
you know, or getting the strip for Arch Enemy from SpectraVision and the largest company. I loved it. Said I'd do it. Was also in the Kevin Smith movie, Jay and Silent Bob yeah. reboot. And then ran into this guy from Legion M at the premiere. And that's how Legion M came on board. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, see, I like yeah. those uh, those natural stories too, where it wasn't like a bunch of paperwork and everything. You know, it was, it was through real connections, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. The other, th- other thing you said, uh, you have death saves. And you've been drinking your uh, liquid death. Uh, oh, yeah. So what yeah, is it with death. you and death, man? Like like everything. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. You sent us some water. I went through it all, by the way, before this. Uh, you sent it to us a few months ago. Sent, sent over some liquid death. So good. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, I don't know what it is, man. I guess it's like, you know, there's people that are like, carpe diem, seize the day. And... I've always been like the memento mori kind of guy, I guess, which is, you know, um, you know, one day we're all going to die. So live your life to the fullest. And, you know, if you always wanted a blue Mohawk, but never got around to it and it's eating away at you into your middle age. um, (laughs) Sometimes there's there's a chance to go for it, you know? Go get that mohawk, man. You know, and and so I guess that's that's to me that's probably what you know all the skulls. I think when you really boil it down, that's what the the skull thing's about. Is it's just a reminder of like mortality, man. You know, we're, rent, we're all renting these shells, and we're gonna have to give them back at some point. So yeah. in the meantime, let's 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 go have some, have some fun, fun and, and fun with it, right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that. Um, so yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, We'll wrap up by uh, asking: You were almost cast as Superman. Are you still? Are you still a little pissed off that you didn't that you didn't get that role? I don't like to really dwell on stuff that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, um, well, that goes back to the death thing, right? You know, yeah, you got to have fun while you're. Well, there. I mean, but it was also if you really draw a line, you know, it was that was how I met Zack Snyder. Yeah, through that process, Zach Zach loved True Blood. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up on True Blood, uh, you know, he wanted to meet me. And so I, yeah, I couldn't do that movie, but, um, but, you know, Zach came back around and called me and said, you know, I I want you to meet Ben Affleck. And that's how I met Ben. And that's how I got cast uh, as Deathstroke in Ben's Batman movie was was through basically through the um you know zach vouched for me yeah and uh so of course that movie didn't happen but um zach and i have all kinds of fun stuff coming up um you know so so we've got some fun projects that are that are in the works so i love it it was something that you know we we just because of circumstances and my contract of true blood like you know there was just no way that situation was going to happen so there's nothing for me to get pissed off about because it's yeah totally yeah, what can you do? You know what I mean? I was signed for six years on a, on a TV show and you know, I, I, that's, that's, that was my job. Yeah. And, um, but he never forgot. And I, so I have to really give him, you know, props for that because as the years went on, he, we couldn't work together then, but he, he was, he kept, you know, kept at it and, and here we are. And now we've got some really, really cool fun stuff uh, on the way. Is there anything you can tell us about what you got coming on the way with Zach? all right we'll just have to keep watching (laughs) well thanks again so much for being here man i really appreciate you being on and you're the season two finale of drinks with johnny 
Well, I'm going to take a break during the holidays. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your holidays looking like this year? I know it's pandemic, everything like that. What are you guys going to be doing for Thanksgiving this year? Probably COVID testing everyone. Yeah. To come eat turkey at a separate <laughs> table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, probably something in there. There's going to be some odd holiday pictures for, for the future, right? Well, well, yeah, but I mean, I, but I, I mean, man, I've been ruining the holiday pictures for years now. You know, this year, <laughs> this year's going to be bald with a huge goatee. Uh, no, actually, I might, I probably still have the mohawk. So I'll have the mohawk. Them. Okay. Uh, and I'll probably freshen it up, maybe with a fresh color for Thanksgiving, maybe like some orange. Some there like you go. Orange. orange. I like it. Yeah. Festive. <laughs> and, uh, Last year, I had a big homeless beard for Arch Enemy, a huge homeless beard. For the role of Max hair. Fist in Arch Enemy coming to everyone December 11th. Yeah. Well. And the year before that, I had a big Lemmy Killmeister handlebar mustache oh, with a that. big giant ponytail for shoplifters. That's for the, the Smiths yeah. me. So every year, I just And that's always been the holidays. How does your wife, Sophia, put up with that, man? God bless her. I mean... <laughs> You know, she's got to put up with it. <laughs> well, she's stuck now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thanks again, everyone. You can follow Joe Maganello, obviously, on Instagram and probably Twitter and Facebook and all those places at Joe Maganello. Thank you again so much. And everyone, go check out Arch Enemy coming December 11th with my new friend Joe Maganello as Max Fist, an amazing character by the looks of the trailer. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Thanks for sticking through this entire season with me. And thanks to Joe Maganello for putting a proper bow on it. I uh, had a great conversation with him. Make sure you guys go check out his new movie, Arch Enemy. It's going to be such a great movie. I, I just know it. Um, after having this conversation with, that, with him about it and hearing the passion that he has behind it and everything you know it, it just seems like it's gonna be such a great movie the premise go check out the trailer right now and get jazzed up for it as i will be um again thank you guys so much for this season of drinks with johnny i am going to continue to bring you guys stuff but um in the meantime i just want to thank you so much for your support of the show i'm having a blast with this i'm making a lot of new friends and even better i'm learning so much from doing this show i honestly am and i really appreciate your guys' support so head over to drinkswithjohnny.com. Show your support there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Show, you know, leave us some comments. Who do you want to see on season three? Leave, you know, whoever it is. I, I'll, I'll read it all. <laughs> I have a team here that we, uh, that we, we work really closely with um, getting uh, Drinks With Johnny to you guys. So leave comments, reviews, everything like that everywhere. Subscribing to the podcast, the YouTube channel, following us everywhere. Going to drinkswithjohnny.com repping some merch it all helps us to continue to do this and again i thank you for that support i'm having so much fun doing this so please continue that on and be just part of this uh, filthy animal crew that we got going here um and again uh, i'm going to continue to bring you guys new episodes right here on the podcast each and every week there are going to be some uh live things that you probably haven't heard here if you're only subscribed to the podcast so make sure you go over to the live ones you can see the video to it and then listen to the podcast where i'm going to give you a little bit of insight every single week about what that conversation i had i'm going to listen back to them and give you some news updates and have a little chat about it before and after i give you that um <laughs> so that's my spiel for this week and happy holidays to all of you however you're going to celebrate it this year i know it's going to probably look a little different but uh, i hope you have a very wonderful holiday and we'll see you all back 
here each and every week with new guests in February of 2021. So until the next time, cheers. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! 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 The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.